this episode is up there as one of my favorite conversations. I just love and appreciate how open and frank Lindsay is in this conversation. Lindsay is the vice president of customer success in the ad tech SaaS space. Our conversation revolves around career and reaching high levels of success, particularly in a competitive landscape like New York City. In the beginning of our conversation, we go deep into her childhood, growing up in the Mormon church, which really is an on-ramp to her story and where she is today. Lindsay and I used to work together, and what always stood out to me about her is her integrity and heart for people as a manager. Originally, when I joined the company, I was not a part of her team, but she really took the time to get to know me and provided guidance as I was navigating my career. I eventually joined her team and really loved working with her. I'm a big fan of hers, and I think in this conversation, you'll see why. She is genuine, open, and honest, so I hope you enjoy the conversation. I never felt like I was in a hurry to advance in my Mm. career to get to the next phase. Let's start with where you're from. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, was born and uh, raised, grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. and um, I that was where I was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was what was it like growing up in Salt Lake City? Yeah. So I, I think the first thing that probably comes to most people's minds if they know anything about Utah and Salt Lake City is the whole Mormon thing. So mm-hmm. I was uh, brought up in a very devout Mormon uh, family. My parents are. Um, both practicing Mormons. And um, actually, I'd say one of my like interesting facts that I would often use is that uh, my third great grandfather is Brigham Young. So he founded the state of Utah. Um, Wait, say that again? Yeah. So Brigham Young is yeah. my third great grandpa. And oh my and the- God, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, I know. It's funny. I don't, I just don't, I haven't <laughs> thought about it in so many years. And then I was sort of, I was asked, hey, you know, one of those like, work things, trying to get people to open up fun yeah. facts about you. And for whatever reason, it kind of came to mind. And so I, I started using that. Oh my God. We're top of mind. My kids love to say that, you know, their fourth great grandpa. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> the founder of Utah. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. I just, so I was brought up in a very Mormon environment, mm-hmm. um, practicing Mormonism and, um, I would just like all of my friends were Mormon. Mm. And, the, what is yeah go ahead close. what does a day-to-day of a mormon lifestyle look like i mean i would say it's not all that different than the day-to-day of most people and, oh, I, okay. and, that, might, and that might take well okay so you know um with the exception of no coffee right a lot of people start their day with coffee no no there's no strong drinks mm. um some mormons don't drink coffee and you know there's always like a blessing on the food and um, but your average day to day, I would say you wouldn't necessarily know if somebody was uh Mormon or not, just mm-hmm. like going about their day to day. Right, <laughs> so. right. 
Is there any but, like um, rituals you guys, um, I mean, like, you know, uh, Christians and Catholics go to church on Sundays um, and all that yes, stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not practicing Mormonism anymore. So, so if I'm a little bit like, huh, <laughs> so that's an easy one though. I mean, yes. Um, they, they, their day of worship, their Sabbath is on Sundays mm-hmm. and they used to do three hours of church every Sunday. Now it's, they've shortened it to two hours of church in the actual church house. And then they're mm-hmm. expected to go back home and kind of like, uh, take that third hour and have, I guess, I don't know, some kind of church with their family. Mm-hmm at home but the yeah so sunday is the sabbath there's no working on sunday um you know there are varying degrees of how um i guess how limited the activities people take part in on mm. sunday depending on how i don't know just their their level of practice um mm. but like yeah we wouldn't work on sundays things like that i see so um growing up in, growing up in a mormon household what were your parents' expectations of you as a devout Mormon? Yeah, uh, well, so they we had to pay our tithing, 10% of our income, everything you earned, even as if it was at a, a lemonade sale, mm-hmm. you would pay your tithing as a kid, wow. all the way through adulthood. Um, I know, I, you know, this is interesting. I love thinking about this because it's mm-hmm. been so long. Um, so paying 10% of your income to the church as a tithe, uh, what were the other expectations? So in high school, I um, had to go to seminary during the school day. So basically, um, they would give us one of the class periods to mm. walk across the street, mm. uh, out of the school house, you know, to the seminary building for one period and then go back to um, yeah. high school. And my parents' expectation was they they told me they would pay for my college if I graduated from seminary. So that was obviously wow. motivator to, to mm. go to seminary every, and you know, every, every day during the school week. So, and what yeah. do you, what's the purpose of seminary? Is it just to like learn more about the, the Holy Spirit? Yeah, great question. Yeah, you're right. It, it was basically, yeah, exactly. It was, it was, um, scripture said it was, oh my gosh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just basically like church, uh-huh. <laughs> church study during, during the week. Yep. And there's no like, um, like I'm thinking, cause I'm just thinking in terms of college where it's like, okay, you study to kind of get a job, but you're studying yeah. just to study, to learn, just to learn essentially. Well, it's almost just like, I guess it's just part of the religious practice. It's almost just like a constant reinforcement of the, what the Mormons call like the truthfulness of the church. Right. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, or just like a, it's just ongoing, yeah, scripture study and, you know, gospel study, I think is what right. we would call it, just mm. for the sake of, like, continuing to, yeah, like, reinforce your belief in it. Mm. I mean, since you're not a practicing Mormon anymore, is there something that you once believed deeply that you no longer believe today? <sighs> oh, deeply? That's... Or- I'd say no. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that might be, you know, I think there was a, there's a reason I don't practice anymore. And I think mm. it was, um, it was very much the expectation of my parents to be a practicing Mormon. And, um, you know, they're still obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but they are, they're still disappointed that I don't practice. Mm. Um, so I just think that for me, it was never really like, I felt like I was doing it for myself. Um. There were times that I kind of like tried to really invest in exploring and finding my testimony is what they call it like mm-hmm. really like 
exploring my my true faith mm-hmm. I just never really it didn't do it for me it just wasn't mm-hmm. for me and so I to answer your question is there anything that I used to believe I mean sure as a child it was all I ever knew right mm-hmm. Mormon was it was the one true church um and we were you know sort of like so fortunate and, and blessed to be I was so blessed to be born into it is what I you know had mm-hmm. believed um but yeah I mean I would say I didn't necessarily it just didn't they have really great values, family focused. Um, it's a really core principle of the church is that it's like families can be together forever through Mm -hmm. eternity. That's kind of their, their belief. And so sure. I mean, I definitely appreciate the, a lot of the things that I sort of experienced because Mm -hmm. of it, but I don't, I don't see, I wouldn't say that like anything I used to believe, uh, deeply or devoutly has like changed for Mm -hmm. me as a result of not practicing Mormonism anymore. Mm-hmm. So I guess it, it never was like your own personal conviction as like maybe the lingo is. And That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And then I guess when you're old enough to kind of either step away or make that decision for yourself, you kind of were like, hey, I just never got to that point where I feel super convicted about this faith. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of things. That, and so even though most of my friends, they were also brought up Mormon you know, I, we've, we pretty much all have, but my closest friends, you know, ended up not practicing Mormonism as adults. So it's just, mm. you know, I think I, I, I wouldn't say that it was like the influence of my friends that I didn't continue to practice. It was, mm-hmm. I was probably, um, I, I just kind of gravitated toward the people who sort of shared my, my level of like, interest in practicing more than yeah. in, even at a young age. Right. I feel like that's a pretty common narrative for people who are raised in some sort of religion, whether it was like, you know, you grew up going to church or you grew up, you know, going to the Mormon church or whatever. It's like, you kind of, I feel like most people will kind of eventually just kind of fade away or like fall away from it. Right. Right. Or if not, then they're, uh, right. They would either like be in it or they, they wouldn't. Yeah. Right? Like they it, would with it and really be into it. Right. Is there is there um, something in particular with Mormonism that you like just couldn't that just didn't resonate? Like, is there anything that stands out to you or it's like, I don't really believe this or resonate with this? Like for me, like Christianity, I think um, I grew up I grew up Christian and um, I'm not Christian today. But I think one thing I really struggled with was like this idea of heaven and hell. I was like, this is a very strange concept, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So from a very young age, I, I so distinctly remember asking my mom, I remember like sitting on our front porch just at night during the summer and asking her, I asked her, well, where did God come from? And she said, mm-hmm. well, from his God. And I'm like, well, where did his God come from? <laughs> and she just said, well, we don't know the answers to these questions right now, but we will eventually. And I just, and you know, okay, of course that's not satisfying to me as a kid, but it just, I think back to that moment, it just like for, almost reinforces my sort of like, like, why, why are you so confident that this is like the truth? Like that doesn't even make sense in my mind. I couldn't really like reconcile like where and why this sort of like was this, this religion and this idea of God was just like, it just was, and I just had to believe that. But I'd say the, the thing that really just doesn't, um, I guess like as I got older and I really started to explore my belief in the church, the part that was for me, it was just kind of like uh, the more I learned about the or- the origination of the church and, you know, Joseph mm, Smith and yeah. f- 
finding the golden plates in a hill in in New York (laughs) and then learning more about the actual doctrine, right? Like the, just, uh, I don't know, like, I won't go into all the details, but basically I just didn't believe that the Book of Mormon was like an actual, um, you know, book that was given to us by by God, (laughs) which, you know, that's kind of at the end of it, that's really what kind of the crux of it all just didn't did not make it, it didn't work for me. I didn't didn't believe it. It's, it's very similar to like, um, with the Christian faith too, how the books came up, came together. I don't, I don't think most people don't really know how these books came together, but I mean, it was a people at a certain period of time who like pick and choose. I mean, I'm watering it down quite a bit, but like, they're just picking and choosing the books that they think should be, that should be in the Bible. And They're like, we think this, these are the attributes that describe God and, you know, that don't. Yeah. And it was literally a human endeavor. Not to say that human endeavors yes. can't be holy, but. Totally. Yep. Um, but and yeah. I think that, yeah. And I think that what's really, I mean, you just thinking about all the books that, yeah. If you think about like the stories in these books, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no, you know, for a lot of people, I see why they, it works for them. Like they're great they're great lessons, right? Mm-hmm. So they were picked, they were selected by the, you know, and, and, you know, compiled and put into the collection that is the, you know, these, these holy, um, uh, you know, pieces of, of, uh, literature, if you will, yeah. <laughs> um, because they, they do, they have meaning, right? Whether or not they're like actual prophecies from God, they don't, sure. they, they, they have great lessons. And so I, I understand the sort of value and I can appreciate sure. Um, and obviously the, but I, I'm kind of going on and on, but I, I just, um, specifically with like the Mormon, the book of Mormon, you know, mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. kind of felt, um, yeah, just, it just, none of it really resonated. <laughs> it didn't work for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can appreciate like the people that really do kind of stick with the religion and, mm-hmm. and it works for them for yeah. various reasons, right. For so many mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not to go down this rabbit hole because I can yeah. talk about religion I'm and faith insane. for so long. I think we even so in the kitchen one day, we're like, yeah. <laughs> we started going off. I was like, oh my gosh, like, tell me more. So, um, yeah. so I guess like, you know, um, you know, you're in, uh, you're in like literally a state, I guess that's like all Mormons and stuff and yeah, these are yeah. your expectations from your parents. I guess, you know, knowing for yourself that this wasn't your path and this wasn't necessarily what you believe, I guess, like, what were kind of your visions for your future at that point? You know, I think that was hard for me. I remember when I had to sort of like tell my parents that I did not believe in the church, their reaction was, well, gosh, how do I explain this? It was kind of like, they thought in a way their perception of it all was that I was sort of choosing this other life because maybe it was easier to not be Mormon to like live a lifestyle that I didn't have to have the restrictions of the religious religious restrictions. Right. And I remember thinking to myself and telling them like, you know what, it would actually be a lot easier for me to just believe Mm. in what I have been told my entire life was true. That would be so much easier. Mm. And so I guess this is kind of a strange way to answer your question, but the reason I, I just, I think I had a hard time, you know, figuring out what is you know, what is my future? Like I had always thought my, my parents told me my entire um, childhood that, you know what, if you don't get married at the temple, we don't really feel like we have a lot to celebrate if you get married outside of the temple. So when 
I really decided to just kind of come clean with my parents and be like, I don't believe in any of this. It was because I was engaged and I knew that they weren't going to throw me a wedding because I was not going to get married to the Mormon temple. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I guess I just told them I'm not practicing this. I'm going to get married. I'm going to be, you know, I'll go elope. They eventually, they actually came around. They were, they really liked my, you know, my fiance, my husband. And they were like, wait a minute, we we kind of don't want to like not throw you a wedding. So they ended up doing it. It was a very, it was a very big gesture because I'm the mm. third, uh, gosh, fourth person in my family to get married. And like my oldest sister didn't get a wedding because she didn't get married at the temple, all this stuff. Um, but my point, I guess, long way of, of getting, uh, again, back to your question, mm-hmm. what did I see as my future? I think it was kind of like, well, I've always been told I was going to get married in the temple to a Mormon and practice Mormonism. And then from there, I should graduate college and, you know, maybe work, maybe not. But my mom was a very firm believer that the woman's place was in the home and she shouldn't be working once she was like married and had kids. And so it was all sort of like, um, I was trying to figure out what my future would hold while I was kind of going through this major life change after graduating college and after, you know, like, what am I going to do for work now? Like all of these things. Right. So it was a lot at once. Um, and I don't know if I answered your question really, no, but did. it was a major time, like a very, uh, as you can likely you know gather, it was a very formative point yeah. in my just adulthood for right. like what direction to move in. Because I, it was also uh, not long before I got married, a couple of years before I was grappling with Mormonism more than I had ever in my like later adolescence. Mm. So I'd really tried to like kind of dig in and like I said, explore my faith. And I just, it just wasn't. So yeah, kind of had to, it was a pivot. I don't know. And I, I, I'm thrilled with where it led me. Yeah. <laughs> very happy. Well, like inside, like internally, I'm having a very like visceral emotional reaction to what you're saying, because like, I'm almost, I'm almost envisioning that like, it really must've been a moment of like internal crisis. Cause yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, we know like you become this like VP and it's like, uh. it's to know, you know, this X spectrum where it's like, man, you're a New York city, like a senior level manager to I grew up in a place where, you know, my yeah. mom was like, you know, no women stay home and take care of the children, yeah. like take care of the kids, you know? And yeah. like, you're telling me you're at this point where that's <laughs> not what I want. Like, how do I even like, how do I even make that next step? Like I can only imagine that time must've been so, I don't yeah. know, <laughs> overwhelming. It was hard. I was, there was a lot of different things about it that were hard. It was like telling my parents and coming, coming clean, so to speak about not, mm. not following this path that they yeah. had sort of on me following, but also like me internally, like you said, it was yeah. a bit of an internal battle. Um, at the same time, I, I didn't ever, I, <laughs> I've had a job since I was 15 years old. So mm-hmm. I knew I enjoyed work I'd, and yeah. I'd always wanted to make my own money. And a lot of it was motivated by me not wanting to have my parents sort of like dangle this like promise of material things and money, so to speak. Yeah with this contingency tied to it, like you've got to go to church and you have to do all these, you know, Mormon things. Um, so I was, there was a large motivation, like a, I was very much motivated to earn my own money to sort of break free from it. Mm. And I, I think that that was happening even before I sort of consciously realized that, mm. which is kind of interesting. So I guess what I'm, what I was, the reason I'm saying this is at that point in my life, I graduated, um, so I was done with school and I, you know, I was kind of thinking about what was next for me. What did you study? Uh, public relations and mm-hmm. nutrition. Mm-hmm. 
I managed uh, all through college. I managed a um, like a, a few franchise stores, GNC stores. Mm. So I kind of got obsessed with nutrition and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So I ended up studying that too. But um, I didn't necessarily think that I even wanted to be some. So you mentioned, you know, like this is the life that my mom had sort of planned on and wanted for me to have stay at home mm. mother, right? Mm-hmm. How, home home keeper maker. Um, but, <laughs> you don't even know the word for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, but I, yeah, but I, I also didn't necessarily envision myself being like, I wasn't dead set or even think that I'm going to be focused on my career. That just wasn't necessarily even the other, it wasn't like it was the other, you know, right. out of the coin. I wasn't like, Oh, I, I then must, right. you know, solely focus on like achieving in my career. Mm, I just yeah. didn't really, it, that's kind of a part of it, right? Like it was mm. a little bit like, oh, I do, but yeah. I, um, my older sister, both of my older sisters, like me, they had also, um, worked, uh, their entire, like from a very young age and mm. were married and had kids and were working. And I, so I had some good, um, they were sort of mentors to me in that yeah. way. So what was the next step you took? Like you, you graduated, you're, you were married by this point, right? After you, or you yeah, got- well, I, so no, I graduated and then I was married. Uh, okay. Later. Yeah. okay. And then like the Mormon thing with getting married young, maybe not a Mormon <laughs> temple, but 23 years old. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It depends where you are. You know, if it's that's like true. New York city, you're super young, yeah, but if right. you're in wherever it's like, oh, that's yep. normal. <laughs> that's true. Very, very true. Um, um, so what, so after you got married, I guess like, you know, what was kind of like the first step you took, like what direction, like, I guess even how did you and your husband discuss that? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, okay. So I, we met in, this is going to sound creepy, but <laughs> we met in junior high. Uh-huh. We did not oh. date in junior high. I was terrified yeah. of him. He was a year older than me. Uh, I think that's not creepy because you're the same age. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. True. I'm just saying we, didn't, we have not been together since junior high. Right. <laughs> So we met in high school and um, basically high school sweethearts, you know, we dated a few other people through college and stuff, but whatever. Um, So I actually did start my first um, sort of like new office job, so to speak, uh, before we got married. So Mm -hmm. after college, I uh, took, I was, I got a job in at a medical software company, which I thought was, it was very cool. Actually, I really liked that Mm job. Um, and that kind of set me on the, the path that I uh, eventually continued to go down with uh, account management and sales. So that I did that for three years. And it was oh, wow. uh, while I was working for that company that I got married. What were you doing there? Um, sales and account management, really. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, and then I also did a little uh, stint of, we, I made some of our training videos. So I did voiceover for them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I always had this weird, this strange, um, I don't know what was, what's the word I'm looking for. It wasn't like something I really, really wanted to, to go into, but I, yeah. I liked the idea of potentially doing voiceover work on the side. Yeah. Yeah, you do uh, have a very pleasant, like, uh, like a deeper register, um, voice. So it is very soothing. Oh gosh. Well, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you get from there to New York city then? Yeah. Um, so my husband is in publishing and so we knew really that we would end up in oh. the state publishing. It was pretty much kind of, uh, we, we had knew that if he was able to get the job he wanted, which mm-hmm. was, um, initially it was, he was an editor. Um, 
that we would end up in New York City. So you mm. kind of have to be in New York City if you're going to be in publishing. And mm. um, I was thrilled by that. So I actually graduated high school early. I don't know if this is even interesting or not, but I graduated high school a year early. Mm-hmm. I just was done with it. Mm-hmm. And because I graduated, I was so focused my junior year on just like getting everything done mm-hmm. that I did not take that time like a lot of people would to plan for college, like where they wanted to go to school. I, um, as part of my sort of like desire to break free of the Mormon church, I think mm-hmm. I wanted to just go to the most extreme extremely different places that I could find. And I actually, so I graduated high school early and I did, a, I came to Hunter College, actually. I went to Hunter College for a semester oh. during, yeah. So I knew I liked New York. I, there was a major culture shock for me. I was yeah. just like, terrified and I couldn't get back to, to Utah quick enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had like this immediate like love, hate, like, oh, this is so terrifying. I didn't yeah. meet anybody. It was a commuter campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to, to Utah to finish my, um, my, my school, my college, uh, uh, get my degree, but yeah. I knew I loved New York sort of after leaving and being like, well, okay, maybe it was, it was actually so very cool for all of these reasons. So mm-hmm. long winded answer. I, I, um, we kind of knew we would end up in New York and we both wanted to be in New York and mm. I am still in love with the city. I still yeah. love it. Yeah. So you can, so when you moved to New York, you, you, is that when you like, uh, I guess like switch companies, um, to like yes, yes. down this pathway. Yes, that is exactly right. So I moved yeah. to New York, got a job at a market research company called eMarketer and, mm-hmm. um, was doing account management there as well. Oh, okay. And then did you, so at that point, like, I, well, how old are you at that point? I was 25, let me just think mm. about that. It was like 25 or 26. Okay. Actually, yeah, you- I would have been 25. At that point, did you know, like, um, I don't know, like what your career goals were, or like what trajectory you're trying to follow? No, I, I pretty much knew that I was going to continue working in sales and account management. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I, you know, when I started my, with my first jobs, they were in retail, customer facing. Mm-hmm. I kind of Got, when I started getting commissions um, and like, you know, we'd have some incentives set up mm-hmm. at GNC to sell certain products. Mm-hmm. I got a thrill from just like, you know, seeing my commissions and like mm-hmm. closing. So, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I mean, I always kind of knew I would end up in uh, and continue working in that, in mm-hmm. that some, some facet of sales and account management. Yeah. I, and then I definitely decided after doing a little bit of like actual sales sales, like I, that I didn't want to do new business selling. Um, mm-hmm. And so I leaned into the account management, uh, you know, working with existing customers and, and working to grow and renew. Mm. Well, like, I mean, it's New York City is, you know, obviously known to be cutthroat. It's, you know, like it's like the hustler city and everyone's trying to make it to the top in New York. Yeah. Um, coming into that type of environment, did you feel like, I don't know, like what helped you kind of swim with the fish, so to speak, or like propel you forward? Yeah. You know, I didn't ever feel, (sighs) I never felt like I was in a hurry to advance in my Mm. career to the next phase. And what I, I was, but I was very, very much focused on making sure I did my job well. I wanted, I I held myself to a high standard, right? Like I, I was very focused on just making sure that I was doing the best that I could in the job that I was in. And I would say that is, is why I, I would say that specifically is why I was successful because it wasn't, I wasn't chasing 
the next thing I was really, what I was chasing was just to like continue to excel and make sure I was doing a good job and what I, mm. what I was hired to do, you know. Um, what did you see was like maybe um, for those of people who are chasing that next title, that next promotion, like where do you see that not really being a good strategy opposed to maybe just being good at where you are right now? Yeah, you know, it's extremely common and, and having managed so many uh, people who are at that at, at a stage in their career where they're a few years into, you know, the role that they were hired to do and they're ready to move forward and mm. they're like very verbal. And they're, so I guess what a lot of people follow the advice, which is very sound advice to, to ask for being, for, for, to ask yeah. for promotion, yeah. to make sure that their boss knows they want a promotion. Mm great it's great advice always want to make sure that you're advocating for yourself and more than anything make sure your boss knows what your interests are and, and you know where you want to want to be um but I do look as I look back at my own experience and how I was promoted and comparing that to the people that I've managed it what am I trying to say um the, you have to do your job that you were hired to do really well before you can move into the next role, right? Or to know mm. if you're ready or if you even want to do, you know, like an advanced version of what you're currently doing or get promoted into a managerial position. So I don't know, I guess just give it time to make sure you've like actually really truly, uh, you know, mastered what you were hired to do so that you can then build on it instead of mm -hmm. just trying to hustling through it, you know, yeah. um, the, the downside I'd say to try and to chase and really try to move forward and up as quickly as possible is that you might just be out of your death before you know it. Right. Mm. You don't want to almost like, it's also then I, I wonder sometimes when, when I like thought through these things with people who I were not necessarily ready to be, um, moved into the next level or who were really hungry and chasing, um, the next greatest advancement, um, then what, right? Like, what are the, you, you get it? Are you trying to hustle and get to the sea level by some specific age that you've mm. set for yourself? Because man, like if it's really young, if you get there and you're, you're 30 or whatever, and that's, that's amazing, right? It's great. And if you can, if you were qualified and if you're doing a good job and you get yeah. promoted to that level at a young age, amazing, right? Mm. You probably were <laughs> very much like eligible and, and qualified and you're skilled and you're, mm. you're mastered enough to do it. But I guess then what, right? Like, mm. I don't know, I guess I, sometimes I don't really understand what the hurry is for people. And I, and maybe that's just because it's mm. not, it wasn't my approach. Mm. So I'm not saying my, my approach is the only approach, but sure. yeah, I just, like, I really enjoyed doing the job I was hired to do of course if I liked it and <laughs> I, I enjoyed that and I enjoyed the sort of like gradual adding on of, of additional responsibilities mm -hmm. and another thing I, I sort of again looking back on realized that because I was focused on doing my job and doing it well and really learning what I needed to do in order to do it well once I'd mastered it, I sort of just naturally started to take on additional responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of started to do, let's just say, I, I would, when uh, I started to do the things that I was promoted officially to take on later on, right? Mm -hmm. So because I maybe, because I was the most, um, 
tenured or experienced on the team, I would naturally be the person that would just, it was easy for me to help coach and guide new hires. Right. And I, you know, I was able to do it without having to, I just didn't really think that much about it. And then it made, then my boss, of course, made it official and I was promoted. So I just think there's a lot of value in that approach. Mm. Uh, kind of like taking your time and, and again, sort of letting yourself really master what you were hired to do. Mm. I think that's so, like such sound advice. Um, because um, I, I feel like it's, you know, why, you know, you, you said like, why, what are, why are people in the hurry? And I think like, this it's just like you know the the environment we're in with new york city and like your career it's it is all about that's like get to the next next place and super fast you know you know yeah and i guess i don't want to be i don't want to i hope i don't come across as being like naive like of course people want to make more money and i get that there's that is a huge part of that hurry right right right. everybody wants to make more money and sooner Mm -hmm. so i guess i'm just trying to say like that aside and i so i right (laughs) to to each their own for sure And there's a balance but I, i i mean i do think like um, there is a lot of wisdom in that because it's like, what is the true end goal? It's like, yeah, you want to be, let's, even if you want to be as, you know, a C-level executive, I mean, like, don't you want to be a C-level executive feeling confident in that? Like, you know, how to handle certain situations, your experience and like, you know, yeah, um, you've experienced things in, in different environments and mm-hmm. you've, you know, in all different, you know, I think through sometimes people, um, who, have joined my team, um, you know, would be even before they've been in the role for like a year, they're, they're sort of looking for the promotion and they're high performers and very much like, yeah, I would love to promote. I love yeah. like one of the best things you can right. do. It's like my favorite thing to do. One of my favorite parts of, of the jobs that I've had as a manager mm-hmm. is to be able to promote people. Yeah. But so, so, but, but I, you know, I think through like, as a, an account manager and let's say in a company where you've got annual contracts, you have to renew them every year. Mm-hmm. If you haven't even been with the company for a year, then you certainly haven't had to mm-hmm. manage a lot of different types of renewals, like challenging ones, you know, more simple ones, mm-hmm. challenging, you know, upsells and, you know, expansion opportunities. Like you haven't really experienced um, just sort of like whole variety of different things that you will inevitably end up encountering down the road. Yeah. So exactly to your point, give yourself some time to really know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> so that yeah. So yeah. So that you're you can be confident in in yeah. your executive level position. You know. Yeah. You yeah. And I think it's like it's just hard to navigate careers, like careers mm-hmm. and like your job tra- trajectories and stuff. It's just it's it's hard. There's a lot of things you have to like consider and manage and. Um, I mean, I know for me, like, I feel like in a few conversations I've had, you know, because it's also like the game, I feel like you have to play too. And like, people ask you like, what's your, like, what's your goal? Or like, what's your whatever. And I think a few times I've said to someone, like, I just want to be a really good project manager, just like really be like really good at this skill set. And, and maybe it's like me being self-conscious, but I almost sense they're just like, oh, like, you know, they, it's like almost they want this like lofty, like, yes, I'm going to be, right. you know, the executive, whatever. And it's like, yes. nah, I just want to be really good at this. Let's see what comes yes. after that, you know? That's exactly right. Well, yeah. also, this is what I'm talking about. Like, you've got, the, I think that is 
one of the things that I could see in you is yes, you have your ambition, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't so you were willing to sort of like get things right, right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and put in the sort of work that you would need and learn Mm -hmm. what you need to learn to get it right, right now. I just think that's really important. And I also, I guess another thing I'll say is I was very fortunate that I've had, I had really great manager. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, and during the, the most important sort of stage in my career, you know, from like five to 12 years um, into my career, I had, Mm -hmm. I worked for an amazing company that was very people focused and they invested so very much in making sure that their managers had, um, good managerial and leadership mm-hmm. skills, right? Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from my bosses at, that was at Return Path. And I I just really respect the fact that they helped me see my mm-hmm. potential. And they, you know, they, they I'm, I just appreciate that they gave me the opportunities that they gave me. Right. That really did also help me sort of kind of, you know, have a little bit, see, sort of create my own um, ambitions yeah. and more clearly see where I wanted to end up. Right. I shouldn't say end up, where, what direction I wanted to move in. Mm. A- Did you have other external opportunities come your way while you're at a return path? Um, you know, I didn't really explore anything seriously. So yeah. not, not, I mean, sure. Like, yeah, here and there, absolutely. Yeah. but it was not anything that I explored. I was really happy at the company. It was mm. really good. I really enjoyed my time there. So even when these opportunities came, you're kind of like, not like, I'm, I want to stay here. Or, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just didn't even, I didn't, I didn't, which, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe this is like the other thing. I just, maybe I'm not quite as ambitious and hard driven to get, you know, to the next mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. as I could have been and as mm-hmm. other people are. But I was just, why would I, it was almost like if it wasn't broken, why would I want to fix it? You know, was, mm-hmm. I was happy and I, um had a great work-life balance and continual, um, continually learning. The company yeah. was growing, you know, it was just kind of all, I, I feel very fortunate. I feel like a lot of it was right place, right time kind of thing yeah. too. So. I mean, having moved up the ranks, like your responsibilities and, um, like risks, I guess, increase, uh, yeah. Yeah. what are, what are some of the things like as a VP or senior level manager that, that is just different as an individual contributor, maybe that at that level, we can't really see or understand. Uh, well, for, for me, I'm, what I've really realized about myself after it, just the stage is as a manager, I really enjoyed, um, what I really enjoy the most about just my career and in my in, in a job is managing and sort of coaching and guiding and and mm. helping uh, somewhat junior um, like kind of newer to their career people mm-hmm. find their potential find their interests develop right like that is what I really enjoy and so mm-hmm. the the more responsibility I took on um, you know as I continued to advance it was really hard to dedicate the right, the, the amount of time that I wanted to, to doing that and doing that well, because I had to balance that with, you know, you have to manage up, so to speak, you know, you mm. have to manage broader, you know, bigger um, business needs and, mm-hmm. and initiatives that again, it just takes up more of your time. So I don't know, this isn't necessarily an answer to your question, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, something you may not realize, I think is what I'm trying to get to is that you are 
you have you, you can't really spend as much time doing maybe something that you had formerly really liked doing mm. um, when you were an individual contributor, especially, mm. right? So another example of that would be if you really like to spend time with customers, you're going to not be able to do that as much when you're leading a team as well as, you know, managing mm-hmm. if you're the executive um you know, level, you're not going mm-hmm. to have to focus a lot more on broader initiatives and more strategic mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I would say um, if you're not even a manager, so that that's only one career path, right? Like everybody doesn't have to go through management in order to advance. Mm-hmm. You can just excel in your, in your area of focus. And the more, it, I think you, ta- you hit it on the head. It's just the more responsibility you take on, mm-hmm. um, the more risk there is in that. And mm-hmm. and the risk is, you know, a lot of different things, but, you know, one of the things could be that you just may not, you may not be good at, you know, mm-hmm. some of the additional responsibilities you have to take on. Mm-hmm. I mean, sense. when, when you're like, I mean, in your earlier days, like what, what were some of the, like, <clears throat> like skill sets that maybe you didn't feel like I have these yet. And like, yeah, like I don't have these yet, but I want to develop them or yeah, I don't know, maybe even just thinking about where you are now, it's like, oh, this used to be really challenging for me. And now, you know, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Um... I'm just thinking like when I worked with, uh, you know, uh, Gary quite a bit and he'd often say like, some things just come with experience, you know, and because like yeah. when you're young and you just want to like get things <laughs> done, like you're frustrated because you're like, ah, it's like a kid who's learning how to talk. It's like, I, yeah. I want to do it, but like, I can't, but like, I don't know how to, yes. you know. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's, he, he's right. Um, I think the experience thing, it's, it's kind of, I touched on it a little bit. It's mm-hmm. you've, you can't just, you've experienced so many different you. Okay. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> I touched on it earlier. Mm. You've encountered, let's say you, you're managing renewals. You've managed a lot of different types of renewals and a lot, with a lot of different kinds of customers. Mm-hmm. You can anticipate how something might go right. quickly mm-hmm. based on whatever factors are presented to you without having any experience prior to that, you know, with, or very limited, I should say, experience with renewals. I'm just you know, trying to use an, a simple, the same example. You would maybe just assume that it's, it, you know, my approach is this and it's, I'm going to use this with every renewal, but it's not mm-hmm. always going to work, right? You mm-hmm. have to. So similarly with whether it's managing people or taking on additional responsibilities, more experience gives you exposure to just different, mm-hmm. you know, different things that can come up, right? right. So in managing people, for example, I, I think this, this is an answer to your question. One thing that does come to mind, something that I didn't, know how to do or that I was much more fearful of uh, early in my career was having difficult conversations with people mm-hmm. about their performance, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm, not that they're a hundred percent comfortable now, mm-hmm. but I now know after having some, uh, having experience of not handling, <laughs> not doing it well in some cases, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of looking back and going, I, I didn't make myself clear or mm-hmm. I botched that conversation because I you know, didn't come across the right way or I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was doing around it or whatever, right? Like doing it or giving, giving um, difficult feedback yeah. earlier 
giving it more directly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is an example of something that over time and with mm-hmm. experience, it's become much more comfortable for me. And mm-hmm. I know that I need to do it a certain way and it will mm-hmm. work better mm-hmm. based on my experience of having failed. Right. <laughs> well, right. Like, yeah. so, so those are kind of a, a couple of examples, but that, that I think is, it's right. Gary's exactly right. It's, yeah. it's you can't replicate experience. Um, through like just study, right? Or, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, to that point, cause it's like, I think a lot of this you can have in hindsight, but like when you're in the thick of it, yeah, I guess like, how do you, how do you know for yourself? Like I'm progressing because even mm-hmm. to your approach that you, you know, of saying like, Hey, like just get really good at what you're doing. And maybe you're there for a few years, which is, you know, in a tech world, that's like a really long time where you're yeah, yeah. in a place for like three years, but yep. it's like, Hey, if you're in a certain role for you know, two years or three years, whatever the timeline is, it's arbitrary. But like, how do you, like, how do you know for yourself that like you're doing well, you're 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 progressing? And because I, I imagine like it can feel like, am I like, am I trying hard enough? Should I take more initiative? Like, am yeah, I doing my yeah. job well? You know, all those questions. Yeah. I would say that you shouldn't ever. <laughs> you should. You don't want to ever feel like you should always feel somewhat challenged. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way that I, I would think of it. You don't want to just feel like it's breathing. I mean, that, that I don't think anybody would really be satisfied or feel like they were continuing to progress. if just day in and day out. You knew that you could do your job and it was like the same thing every day. And you're mm-hmm. using, like I said, using the same approach yeah. and it's always working, right? Like you should always feel somewhat challenged. And if you're not, that's how you know you should... <laughs> probably look to either make a move or maybe make more noise about getting promoted or taking yeah. on more responsibilities. Right. So it's a good question though. Like, how do you specifically know if you're, if you're making progress or if you're advancing? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say if you, you can feel if you're stagnating mm-hmm. and I actually, that is a lot, you know, partly why I left return path. I, it did get to the point where I, my team I was, they were a fantastic team. They were really great high I was surrounded by high performers and I I did I felt like it got to the point where I was like there was more you know there was always more work to be done and wasn't perfect of course no nowhere's going to be perfect and there's always mm-hmm. like uh further growth but it felt like it was the right time like I had been I was so familiar with the company and with our products and our customers mm-hmm. um and you know like I could answer any question without feeling like really, really challenged, you know? Yeah. Um, and just knew it in and out. It felt mm-hmm. like it was breathing in a, in a mm. way. It was, you know, that, so that's when, yeah, it, I, it's like, yeah, this is the time you have to make a move. Like you yeah. gotta, gotta bring on a little bit more of a challenge. Mm. Um, but you do feel like you're progressing. Yeah. I guess like, you know, um, because now you've reached a level of VP, like, is that, well, okay. It's so many questions about that, but let me start yeah. here is like, you've reached this level of success. Is it what you thought it was going to feel like? Um, you know, I don't know that I ever really thought to myself, well, when I get there, it's going to feel like hmm. X. I, because I was a gradual, you know what I mean? Like it was my, my career progression was sort of textbook and it was quite mm-hmm. gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't, it, you know what? It was stressful for me to, like I said, I've discovered that what I really enjoy 
is I do, ma- I do enjoy managing people and I enjoy that coaching and mm-hmm. the sort of working closely with the people mm-hmm. that report to me. Um, so when I was managing a team with managers who were then managing individual contributors, I just, yeah, I, I felt it, it was, it was harder for me and mm. I didn't necessarily, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily know that it would feel, um, so different to not be able to like coach people so more directly. Right. That's an interesting nuance. And I guess you just wouldn't know until you're actually doing it. Yeah. 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 Mm. Right. Because, because managing managers is very much different, especially experienced managers. It's very different than managing individual contributors. What's Um, the difference? Well, when you're managing relatively junior individual contributors, it goes back to the whole experience thing we were talking about earlier. I, you know, really enjoyed the, the questions that I was being asked by the mm. team because I'm like, oh, this is interesting. They haven't experienced this before. I can mm. really be, I think I can be helpful here, right? Mm. When you're managing managers, their experience themselves, right? So they're more, I, I just felt like they were more like my, um, and I feel like this about most of the people that I have reporting into me. Um, they're more like just, they're, they're not necessarily, what am I trying to say here? The dynamic doesn't feel to me like, oh, I'm your boss and yeah. I know more than you. It's not yeah. that. And that, but that they were just more like we were Peers. partners. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were partners. And and then I'm as I'm saying this out loud, you know, verbal processing. <laughs> um, I, I don't necessarily think that even with an individual contributor, like somebody who is in a more junior level, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see myself as being like, I am your boss and I sure. know you at all. Right. <laughs> It's um, the, the relational just, dynamic is different. Yeah. Like someone's coming yeah. to you maybe with more like advice or guidance questions yeah. where yeah. it's like here, yeah. if like, you know, if it's like a manager's working with you, like, here's my suggestion, you know, what do you think? Yeah. Let's talk about it or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I would say, I actually, I do think of, um, you know, even people that are newer in their career, if they're asking me for advice, I still see them as a partner. I mean, they're the ones that are learning to do that current job as well as they can. And, you know, they're in it every day and I'm not as a manager. So mm-hmm. I, but, but so I don't know, it's kind of, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting thing to think through, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it's different to manage managers than yeah. individual for sure. Yeah. I mean, when your kids came into the picture, how did, how did that change things for you mm-hmm. life-wise, not even career-wise? Yeah. Um, gosh, that was, it was hard for me. What I mean is I, <laughs> I don't know, this is TMI. I, I wasn't necessarily trying to get pregnant actively, which, yeah. um, but I'm, you know, thrilled that I did. And, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a hard, it kind of felt like my life came to a screeching halt with mm-hmm. um, my, you know, we're in New York city. So a lot of the social activities there, you know, let's go to a happy hour and we were drinking and mm-hmm. we're just, you know, like, like, so for me to suddenly not be drinking, it was like, how am I going to hunt? How am I going to you know, how am I going to like make this work just, yeah. just without like letting on that I'm, Oh, something's different with Lindsay, you know? Right. And that was hard. Um, but then once I, they actually, you know, once I actually had my daughter, that whole, Oh my gosh. I mean, geez, having kids, it's like the weight of it. That's kind of the, the only, the first thing that comes to mind mm. It's heavy, you know, like you are responsible for the life of this person who you love more than you can even fathom loving anybody. Mm. And just the, the, the weight of it couldn't, I didn't expect that at all. Um, mm. But yeah. And it's, 
I'm just, I'll say it again, as far as career goes, I was very fortunate to be with a company at the time who they, they, they valued the work-life balance. They were mm-hmm. extremely supportive of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just benefited so much from, from having, you know, that be my, my experience. Mm-hmm. So, well, like, you know, before children, what was it that you were maybe kind of living or yeah, maybe like living towards and like maybe yeah. what changed after you had kids? Yeah, interesting. I I basically was a workaholic for sure. I mean, I just, I worked a lot because I enjoyed it and I worked, you know, the whole work hard, play hard. I did. I, I worked a lot. And then mm. outside of work, I really enjoyed mm. my social life. And I really enjoyed just, um, you know, taking as much in of the city as I could a lot of theater and a lot of art and live music and just, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. So once I had kids, uh, that was another thing that was hard for me, right? I couldn't just on a whim go and see whoever was in town, whatever, you know, band I wanted to go see. I had to mm-hmm. get a babysitter. Yeah. Um, so I was very much focused on work before kids. And, and it did help when I, when I had my daughter, it absolutely helped kind of put things in perspective, like how much of my life do I want to dedicate to, mm. you know, sort of slaving away in front of the computer and mm. forth work stuff. Um, mm-hmm kind of forces you in a good way to just reassess, um, you know, what you value, what is important, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and I, well, I guess what I'll also say is, um, I just on the topic of kids and, and work, was extremely fortunate to have not only a su- super supportive partner, um, but incredibly reliable uh, full-time childcare. And that mm-hmm. is just like, I mean, I don't have family anywhere nearby. And yeah. so, having the same person who is essentially, uh, you know, like chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our nanny was fantastic with mm-hmm. us for 10 years and just couldn't have been more fortunate. So mm-hmm. I, I feel very lucky that that was another part of my ability to continue to focus on my job and my mm-hmm. career and, and continue to like, you know, not have to constantly be trying to I mean you're absolutely juggling when you've got kids and you're working demanding jobs yeah juggle and it's hard but I had that that was just like invaluable I mean yeah be able to focus on work while I was at work yeah I mean like how I mean how do you really balance that because I mean I'm sure there's also just um you know having child care but like you know wanting to be I'm sure there's like Maybe, you know, let me, let me rephrase this because I'm, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> like there's, there's, uh, there's often, I think when I, cause now, you know, more of my friends are also having children and all my friends are, you know, you know, working, working moms and career women. And I see that there is a change in people where, you know, who once, you know, once was so career focused and, and not like people like, like you, like just genuinely love their job, you know? Yeah. And then when the, when kids enter the picture, this goes for men and women alike. It's like your, your priorities start to shift. But yeah. I think what happens is like, you have to start making choices and, you know, like, okay, I'm going to choose. It's not always this black and white, but like, you know, I'm going to choose to like spend my time, you know, in my job here, or like yeah. my kid has this, recital and I need to go, you know, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. How do you want to juggle those things when you also do, I mean, you value your family and your career. Like I want to do well in both. Yeah. 
I, I'm just going to go back to saying, you know, it's kind of I'm like beating this horse to death, <laughs> but it's this, mm-hmm. I was so fortunate to be with a company that allowed for the, for me to be able to, um, you know, work from home if I needed to take my daughter to mm. a doctor appointment, um, or, um, you know, go to the, the baseball game or whatever it is. Like, so I've just been that, I, that, that's a big part of it is having the flexibility mm. in your job. Um, and if you don't, so like for me during the pandemic, I'd say it really, that was rough on parents as you've likely heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to have your kids in the other room, even if you've got somebody ch- taking care of them, just hearing them during mm-hmm. the day, you sort of realize how much you miss. Mm-hmm. When I was going into the office all the time, you, you know, it's like out of sight, out of mind. So I knew they were well taken care of. And I knew that, um, you know, I, I didn't have to worry. So, but I also didn't necessarily have to see any of it or hear any of it, mm. <laughs> meaning, you know, get them their after school activities and kind of hearing their, you know, things that they were sad about or their tantrums and, you know, didn't have to experience any of it. So working with hearing those things in the other room, I know I'm kind of going on, this is not exactly what you were asking me, but it, it sort of, it was almost like a, um, oh gosh, like now I realize I was just gone for so much of mm. their, you know, their mm. life. Mm. And I don't necessarily feel guilty about it, but mm. it, was a, it was a strange sort of realization during the pandemic that like, there are so many hours during the day mm. that these little, you know, amazing little humans are experiencing their, their worlds that I'm not a part of it. And I guess what I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this, except yeah. for that definitely it was just like a change in sort of like the choices, like you said, like right. how I want to spend my time. Yeah. You know, do I want to be away? It's so interesting. Cause I actually just interviewed um, uh, a surgeon the other day and he's like one of the top Wow. Uh, cancer, this like specifically head and neck uh, cancer surgeons in wow. the and in, in New York, maybe the country. I'm not sure, but because wow. I don't know medical uh, sure. credentials. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> he's like he's he's amazing. Like he's like he's like one of the best. He does work really well. He's like you know he loves his job, cool. and he shared that like you know he's like I feel like it's a real gift because I wake up every day loving my job. He's like and I know a lot of people don't have that. But, yeah. you know, he shared that it, it, it did come with a great price, which was like, I didn't get to spend much time with my family, you know, and now he is, you know, trying to spend more time with his family, but similar to what you were saying, like, I don't think I sense like regret per se. Like he wasn't like, I regret, regret. I think he wanted to, he wants to, he wanted to, but I don't yeah. know if he necessarily regretted it, you know? Yeah. You know that exactly. I don't yeah. regret it. And I, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, does that make me a bad parent? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't regret it, but it was just a, it was something that I hadn't, it was sort of forced the pandemic and that experience forced me to sort of just see that it was, right. it, was it was surprised me. It was just something that kind of took me by surprise, but it also does. Um, I do right now really, and, and maybe it's the age of my kids. I know this mm-hmm. is going to sound a little bit selfish too, but they are older and they're so much fun to hang out with mm-hmm. now less mm-hmm. about like just make you know helping make sure all their basic needs are met and sure. clothed and all this like they're really interesting humans you know yeah so many great questions and thoughts and ideas so uh-huh. I really now do 
genuinely want to spend more time with them. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Now that's interesting too, like how that can also change as a, your tra- child age is changing too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, I definitely heard some parents go like, I just don't feel like I'm like good at being like a parent for this age. Well, maybe when they're older, <laughs> you know, I'll be better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. Yeah. It's kind of another thing that's been surprising me these days is just how I actually want to hang out with my kids. Where mm-hmm. before it was like, when can I get a break? You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard because I think like um, the whole parenting and working thing, like it's it's such a nuanced conversation. Because I grew up in a house too where my mom really was working all the time. Like uh, both my parents were just like, you know. I mean, saw my dad more because my dad was uh, was always like, well, he was sick, so he was home more often in, in in that regard. But like, for the most part, I like rarely saw my mom. She was working like out the door by like seven, like got home at like seven thirty, you know. Wow. And she's like cooking us dinner, and you know, we're in our own world, so yeah, yeah, and interesting, ways, yeah, and like in ways like I. Like, of course, like it was always when my mom was home, like, I don't know, for some reason she happened to be like home when I got home from school, it was like the best. I was like, oh, I wish you could be here, you know, uh, but, yeah. like, as an adult now, I mean, again, I'm only speaking for myself. Like, yeah. I don't think I necessarily look back and just thinking like, you kind of understand like, oh, like my mom, like if anything, like me and my sister, we hold my mom up in such a high regard because we're like, wow, my mom like bust her ass for us. Like she is the one who like worked hard. She, my mom loves work. She retired and she's like already thinking like, I need another like job or something. She, she just loves to work. And um, so I think people were like, oh, well, you got to be home for your kids. And of course you want to be present with your children and be there with your children. But like, I don't know. It's not, yeah, it's not terrible like necessarily, you know, you know, I, when I would think about this and when I would talk to other working moms about it, who, especially those who were graph, like they were kind of struggling with the guilt, right? Yeah. This mom get like, I'm, I'm not there. And I just didn't really use, I didn't feel a lot of that. Mm. But what I really thought was, so as I was talking with them, was I'm like how, you know, to th- like just exploring how they were thinking and feeling about being a working mom, mm-hmm. um, I did. I felt like, well, you know, I do want, I, I like the fact that I am modeling for my children, not just my daughter, but for my son as well, mm-hmm. that you, that I um, enjoy work and that, yeah, you have to, you, you know, it's good to work hard. And mm-hmm. like you said, you should be present when you're with your kids. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that was a, that was definitely a, a challenge for me during my, some more, my more stressful um periods in my career like I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was present with my kids when I was away from work and with them mm. um and that's you know that's 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 the that I guess if there's a regret that would be it right like yeah. it's letting my job sort of pollute the time that mm-hmm. I have with my kids because I, it that is the time you know that it's, it's like that's what I that is that is what I'm working for mm-hmm. right like I'm working so that I, when I'm not at work, like I can really just enjoy exactly. the things yeah. that I, are, you know, are, are meaningful and that are mine, that are mm-hmm. really mine. So yeah. that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that's, that's the, yeah, it's, it's a challenge for sure, I mm. guess. So it's <laughs> just to yeah. balance it. Yeah. But I did, I did like the idea of um, modeling it for my kids, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, and it's interesting because, yeah, like my mom, she was uh, you know, stayed at home, but she, you know, funny, like she absolutely was the one that was like, she ran the show. I mean, yeah. like the, totally wore the pants. I mean, I sure. you know, she was like, yeah. 
Like, that's such an awful phrase. Like, I, mean, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> she basically like ran the uh, household. She ran the household, but she like dominated my dad mm. over. You know, I mean, she was mm-hmm. like she was a leader. She was the force in the yeah. house. Exactly. She was the leader. That's exactly yeah. right. So it's just an interesting thing. Like my sisters and I, we've all, um, you know, definitely not followed what she had sort of right. <laughs> plotted up for us to do, be a stay-at-home mom and have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I think there's something to the fact that she was the leader that mm. we, we saw it. Maybe, it, you know, she manifested leadership. Um, yeah. And sorry, are, are sort of following in her footsteps sure. or following <laughs> what we saw is, is so, we're just our own version of, of being leaders, so to speak. Outside yeah, of that's the thing. I feel like, you know, there are so many different ways to kind of like approach things or like live your life. I mean, like, you know, it just reminds me hearing you talk about your mom, like my, my best friend's mom, like she was a stay at home mom her whole life. And she raised three daughters. And these three daughters are all very accomplished, very capable women. And I mean, it is really, really just like, just like so sweet, because when they, when they attribute, like, when I say, what do you like attribute to your confidence and your success? And like that you've become such like, you know, just like very like capable human beings in this world. Um, they all say their mom, like they're just like, it's oh, my wow. mom. My mom was the one who was there for me. The mom was the one who told me I can, you know, be what I wanted to be. And so it's like, sometimes I feel like the conversations, like most yeah. conversations in the media, it's too small and narrow. It's like, oh, well, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a great mom. Or like, if you're not, yeah. you're a bad mom. It's like, oh, totally. you, yeah. you get women like, not, excuse me, not women, but just people. Yep. I mean, moms who impact their children, you know, in more ways than one. It's not just because you're home or because you're at work. Like my mom impacted me because I saw her work and she was rarely home. And then my friends, like they had a different impact where their mom was totally. there for them and supported them, you know? Yeah, completely agree. It's true. It is a very narrow, I mean, there, there tends to be just this uh, kind of black and white one's better than the other or one that leads to you know one way leads to x y and z it's yeah. just like definitely not yeah it's definitely not so straightforward i i mean i think with most things in life yeah <laughs> that's kind of the case there's a so, lot more new no for sure i mean for you now that like you know i guess like you're you're thinking about like your the next steps for you kind of yeah. having you know have like having all this experience and you know with work with life yeah I guess like how do you how are you contemplating your next steps like what are you considering yeah I I've said it a couple times but I what I've really tried to explore is like what are the things that you know light me up so Mm. what type of when I when I think back on my career and I think back to the times where I felt most satisfied and most successful and confident and you know it was it was managing a smaller team and it was um, not necessarily like um, trying to drive hard into my next, you know, mm. like advancement in my career. I don't mm. necessarily. So, so that's really what I'm, I'm trying to assess. And, and when I'm, what I'm, what I'm really looking to do is just like find things that kind of, yeah, like the, you know, the spark yeah. that I've experienced over the course of my life. Yeah. <laughs> both professionally and, and personally, and to try to see like, okay, well, so, so what does that mean? Like what, where, where do the kind of 
dots align or whatever mm-hmm. come together, so to speak. Like, where's the overlap in what I want to do um, specifically with the role? Like, what type of role do I want to do? And what kind of like company is, do I want to be with? So mm. what, what kind of matches my, my interests and my values? Do you feel like you have more options now because of like the level of success you've reached or? You know, that's something else that it's, I like that question. Well, like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really great question because you get to this point where it's like, can I, can I feel good about sort of like, if I'm, let's say taking a step back, am I going to feel good about that? Mm. Um, Like, will anybody hire me? (laughs) Like, I mean, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but like, I think that sure, I have more options because I have more experience, but in some ways when you, you know, somebody looks at your resume or if I even look at my own, you know, professional experience, I'm like, am I going to be satisfied? And if somebody's looking at my resume, are they going to just think, well, you know, why would she want to maybe take a step back, mm-hmm. back or, mm-hmm. or um, if she wants to be managing a smaller team, mm-hmm. um, you know, like why that kind of, so I don't even know if I'm answering your question uh, well, but I, yeah, I, I just think um, whatever it is, I just want to make sure that I feel similar about it um, in the ways that I've been talking about my time at Return Path. I want to feel like I do have that work-life mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I am kind of able to lean in on the things, lean in on those things that I like doing mm-hmm. and have enough time to do them, you know? Yeah. Here, like another, you know, kind of like question related to somewhat related to that is like, do you feel like you're happier now with the success you've reached like as a person? Cause so many of us are just striving to yeah reach that level and like man if I was like VP of something I'm like oh that's that would be pretty great you know but like it comes but yeah but it comes with okay so that's a really (laughs) it's kind of what I was saying earlier but like like when I said why are people in such a hurry to get to the top or wherever you know and I get it they want more money and yeah it sounds great feels kind of cool I felt pretty money and prestige yeah I yeah I mean it's uh it just comes with a lot of, of responsibility though, right? Like it's not, I mean, of course people want, what am I trying to say here? Not of course. <laughs> people who are interested in, in, you know, careers and advancing in their career and making more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds great to be, you know, VP level, mm-hmm. but it's, um, there's a reason that I guess it has that prestige and you get paid more because there is more responsibility responsibility and mm. risk and stress that comes along with it, right? Like the expectation is higher. You are getting paid more. You have to deliver more. You have to be doing, you know, you, X, Y, Z, what you're mm. hired to do. It's like, I, I think back to my days where I was just managing renewals as an individual contributor. And mm. I, um, remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, why are these all so, like, why is every one of my renewals so hard? And I just mm-hmm. remember telling myself, and I remember using the same sort of phrase with my team later on, it's like, well, if it was easy, well, I wouldn't be getting paid to do it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a job. If the mm-hmm. renewals were easy, they would renew themselves. Right. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't yeah. be getting paid to do it. And so the reason I'm saying that is, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that if you're, you know, you're, 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 at a VP or uh, whatever level, you're going mm-hmm. to be expected 
to sort of deliver mm. <laughs> a return on that investment, you know? Sure. Yeah. You. Right. You gotta, you gotta be worth it. Right. Interesting. There's, um, this might be a very like, um, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. A vulnerable question maybe, but I recently listened to this uh, podcast. I can't remember the name of the author, but I know his last name was Brooks. Um, I think Arthur Brooks, maybe. Okay. And he wrote this book that it's like people aren't like, you know, he talks about like our culture, you know, everyone's like stressed out. We work too much and like, you know, we're trying to make all like all this money and we, but he said the question isn't really about like, do you want to be happy? Because like, to your point, like these big jobs that get paid a lot of money, they're very stressful. And so, um, you know, if you, if you wanted to be happy and less stressed out, you could probably take, um, a different job, less responsibilities and whatever. But he says that the reason people don't do that is because people want to feel special. And it's not really about, do I want to be happy? It's like, do I want to be special? Because um, he's yeah. just saying like, you know, if you're special, if like I'm a VP or like I'm a CEO, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. like, I'd rather yeah. be special than, than happy. I'd rather be unhappy and special. <laughs> so interesting. You know, that is really astute. <laughs> um, and I think it's, there's a, you know, when I, when I left Madison Logic, I, there was a part of that, right? Where I was yeah. like, oh, but then what does it mean about me, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm no longer working, right? Like I took taking time off, like what is that? Am I no longer special? It's a really good point, right? Mm-hmm. I felt that. Mm-hmm. Is my value just as a human mm-hmm. less, <laughs> you know? Like mm-hmm. how do I prove my worth? Mm-hmm. Not just because I don't have this title necessarily, but just like the whole, yeah, the idea of, oh, I'm taking time off. Okay, well, yeah, that's a really good, I, I just, I think that's really interesting. It's true. There yeah. is very much this element of the, like the accolades being a, as much, if not uh, a very large part of, mm. um, you know, the how sort of job satisfaction is that, that yeah, that's right. money. How do, you, how do you feel like you fall in in that spectrum? <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I very much, that it resonates with me. I mm-hmm. don't know how I would place myself in it with except meaning I don't, I don't know, like from one to 10, 10 being like, I absolutely place all of my value <laughs> <laughs> and like and my, my focus on my next, whatever my career is very much like I have to feel special versus yeah. one being like I could care less. I couldn't care less. I, I, I don't know. I'm right now leaning more on the I'd play like a three or a four and the reason for that is I've taken time and I'm valuing I really really enjoy that and I'm very fortunate that I can take some time off of work and I've mm-hmm. loved the fact that I can actually go and do a workout and then like mm. do a podcast <laughs> and do a podcast yeah and and actually have the brain space to yeah. <laughs> to think through like, okay, yeah. So this weekend, what I'm going to do with my children, right? Like actually think yeah. and plan outside of work and like, just, you know, a normal level of stress. And I mm. would take this over feeling special with a title any day. Mm. <laughs> so mm. That, that I, you know, that's kind of a, that that's why I, I'm saying in my next move, I, I definitely think I, I'm, 
I know that I will only take a job that fits what I am going to really be able to like enjoy and, mm-hmm. and do the things that I like doing. Um, knowing that no job is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting paid if it was all easy. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, um, I feel like you are, I think one of your strengths as a manager is that you develop really good relationships with your team, at least from what I've seen, because uh, like, for example, I feel like people, you're just like available for people and um, people like really, I don't know, like can trust you. And I know that's like, these are all like languages, like relational languages that we use in the workplace very commonly now, you know, there's trust, you know, and I at a safety and like, I do feel like you've developed like, you know, a lot of that, enough of that with your team members where it's noticeable. Um, I guess like, is, is part of that like a conscious like effort on your part or is that just who you are as a person? Um, well, first of all, it's, I'm, I've been thrilled to hear you say that. It's very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I'd say it is partially, it, what, so how to, if I really think about why that is, it's important to me too, I guess I'll start by saying that. That mm-hmm. is very important. And the reason it's important to me is that I know that the best relationships I've had, like, you know, my best experiences in, in my career have been mm-hmm. when I have had bosses that I know I can trust and mm-hmm. who are there for their people and who are there and really thinking about the best, you know, like not just thinking about what's going to be good for them, but actually mm-hmm. You feel I felt supported by them, mm-hmm. right? They they did have a genuine interest in my success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's probably a combination of it being important to me uh, because I do want to have good relationships with my team, and I want to make sure that mm-hmm. if they're going to be interested in staying at this company, they're yeah. going to need to know that I do have their best interests in mind, and I mm-hmm. am very much invested in helping them succeed yeah um so i think it's i've i've had it modeled for me and then i've also uh you know so selfishly i find i i want my team to be happy and i want them to succeed and stay because it makes my job easier um but then i just yeah i mean i'd say generally it just i i wouldn't want to work in an environment i wouldn't want to show up to work every day if i didn't feel like i had you know, good relationships with my team, which just mm-hmm. wouldn't be satisfying to me. Mm. It's also kind of a personal, um, I guess, a value of my, my own. Yeah. And I think like, you know, what you said is one thing you said was really key, which is like your team needs to know you have their best interests at hand because in the moments of like, especially feedback, you know, it's like, you really can't like the precursor to good feedback. This is my belief is that the relationship needs to be there. Otherwise you can be very accurate in what you're saying, but if the relationship is not there, it's like in one ear, out the other. Um, I guess for managers who want to develop that good relationship with their team, but maybe are struggling to do so, what are some of your, um, I don't know, what's what's some like key advice you can give to someone who wants to do that, but maybe they're not there yet with their team? I mean, I would say the first thing would just be to, try and uncover not necessarily with the team directly but in just maybe take take some time to think through like where 
where trying to uncover why you don't have a good relationship with your team. Is it a result of, you know, is it a result of uh, the type of work you're doing with them? Is it a result of the, I mean, it could be so many different things, right? Is it, is it conflict outside of your team that's sort of driving in? I would just, it's just about really kind of asking a lot of questions about why you don't necessarily have a good relationship with your team and trying mm-hmm. to under, uncover what's at the, you know, the really at the core of the, you know, whatever it is that's getting in between you and uh, that trust is really what it comes down to and having, mm-hmm. it, I think that's really what it is, right? So what is getting in the way of having a trusting relationship and what it probably would be both ways. If you're not mm-hmm. finding that you have a good relationship with your, your uh, somebody that reports to you, it's probably maybe you don't trust them or they don't trust you and try to, uncover, try to understand why. Mm. Um, and then further, I'm just a big uh, advocate of um, just questions. So, you know, the conversations you're having with your your team, just focus more on learning more so than trying to give advice or advice, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Ask, ask a ton of questions. And that is a, it's a really good tool for helping people arrive at their, you know, at the right answer. If they're trying to figure something out and you're their mm-hmm. manager and they want you to help them figure it out, asking mm-hmm. questions is a really good tool to sort of help them learn how to get to the answer without just yeah. being, you know, told. Um, but it also is a really good way just to get somebody talking, right? Mm-hmm. Like asking questions, um, will help you understand who they are as a person, you know, you can't, you can't have a trusting relationship with somebody if you don't, you know, really know who they are and what's important to them. Yeah. Can I just say, I just love the fact that you started out with self-reflection, like ask yourself first, like that is good. That is really good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you can't like, right. Like it's, if you don't have a good relationship with somebody, there are two people there, you know, yeah, not just yeah. one person that you have to kind of focus on. So mm. self-reflection for sure. Mm, you are a VP for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, <that's laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, just to wrap things up, um, what would be, uh, what would you tell your younger self? Oh my gosh, that is a hard question. <laughs> um, what would I tell my younger self? Well, my very youngest self, I would say, uh, you know, not even my very, just, just any, any previous version of myself, I would tell her, just be more compassionate, you know, mm-hmm. give yourself a little bit more, um, be compassionate with yourself. So try to sort of quiet the inner critic in your, your head, um, mm. listen more to the compassionate part of how you talk to yourself. And I just think they're so, uh, yeah, I just, there, I think everybody has that, you know, the critic and it's always louder than the inner champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, oh, just, I love that. The inner champion. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like listen to the, your, your inner champion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, that, I think that's probably it. I think that there's so much that you can sort of do for yourself and that does a lot for your own confidence. Mm. You just 
understand that everybody has an inner critic. And I think that's mm. part of it, right? Like mm. just normalizing the fact that everybody sort of has kind of has that little, that battle, right? Like yeah. just big battle. Thank you for listening. To support us, please write us a review. It really helps boost the podcast visibility and it provides me with insight on what you like or what you don't like. So I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.